Welcome to the DCRO Risk Governance Podcast, where we're focusing on risk governance issues, learning about the work of and receiving guidance from experienced board directors, senior executives, and thought leaders in the practice of risk governance. Today, we revisit a discussion that I had with David Martin and Roel Campos, co-chairs of the DCRO Cyber Risk Governance Council, who led the development of the DCRO Guiding Principles for Cyber Risk Governance. David has extensive experience in lead risk roles going back over four decades, and role as a former SEC commissioner in the United States. Both are experts in cyber risk governance and its implications for the performance of and liability faced by boards and directors. This conversation was recorded on July 18, 2018, but it remains highly relevant today. With that, let us begin. Hello, everyone. My name is David Koenig. I'm the founder of the Directors and Chief Risk Officers Group, and I'm glad that you're able to join us today. I wanted to give you a quick overview of the Directors and Chief Risk Officers Group. We're an international organization. We are a collaborative effort where people are giving of their time freely to help advance the practices of risk governance. And that cuts across a number of areas, including cybersecurity, but we've done work in the areas of compensation risk, uh, defining qualified risk directors for boards, we're working on risk committees and innovation governance, and you'll see reports from the DCRO later this year on that. Today, though, we're focused on the initiative around cybersecurity. And as I mentioned, Roel and David were the co-chairs of a committee that featured nearly 30 people from five continents who all contributed their expertise. So let me briefly introduce David and Roel. Royal Campos is a partner with the law firm of Hughes Hubbard Reed in Washington, D.C. He's chair of the Securities Enforcement Practice and is a former commissioner of the SEC. David Martin is a cybersecurity expert who serves as the managing partner of Cybex Secure, and he's a former chief risk officer of Alliance Bernstein, and they both have bios that are much longer than this with lots of things that they've done in this space and other spaces. You can find those in the document um, that we're going to be talking about today. So let me welcome David and Roel. Glad to have you both with us. Thank Glad you. To be here. Thank you. So today we want to run this like an interview, uh, and I wanted to talk to you about these principles, uh, the DCRO guiding principles on cybersecurity and cyber risk management for boards of directors. What was the motivation behind this initiative, and, and how did you guys get involved? Because this is a, a pretty big time commitment of yours. Um, I was actually um, co-chaired a group uh, called the Bicycle Risk Managers Forum that had the, um, asset, the chief risk officers of the 25 largest asset managers of the world. And in 2008, uh, I, um, I sat around the table and said, guys, if we don't create a risk principles, um, other people will, and we should do them because we're the most knowledgeable to do them. So that sort of gave me the perspective of um, this was something that was really important. And um, looking at cybersecurity, I thought it was absolutely essential. And and it just made absolute sense to me to uh, go ahead and get involved in this effort. Well, I, uh, I, I started being interested in cybersecurity uh, because it, it became such a um, exposure and liability to uh, uh, public companies and, and their boards. And so I, I started looking into it as a practice matter uh, to serve my clients and, and, and those who I advise. Uh, it turns out that uh, David and I had collaborated. Uh, David had been one of my expert witnesses in a um, proceeding uh, that we, we held, and we've got to know each other very well. 
and I came to realize <clears throat> what a what a great uh, fountain of um, expertise David was in terms of enterprise risk and, and the different uh, areas. So we decided to work together on uh, on promoting the area, and, and we wrote an article uh, prior to the, the one that we uh, are dealing with here today uh, on uh, cyber risk and, and did a primer for uh, for boards uh, in, in managing cyber risk. And so uh, along the way, uh, David Koenig, um, um, you know, um, became acquainted with us, and, and we, uh, you know, were very happy and anxious to, uh, uh, you know, provide some um, some service to the committee and to and, and to put together uh, what we thought collectively from all of the expertise involved um, with the group uh, to put together these uh, these particular principles, and it's been a great joy to do so. Well, and it sounds like both of you saw a motivation for this, um, either in stories or experiences. Are there any that you can relate to us from your clients or uh, uh, maybe not necessarily directly from your clients, but from other experiences you've heard about, positive and negative in this space? Well, I, I can just tell you my first experience in this space was actually 25 years ago. I was the um, enterprise risk manager for Citicorp, and I had read this book called Takedown. Um, and uh, they've actually made a movie out of it, but Dr. Tsumu Shimamura, who is a professor at MIT, is actually being hacked by Kevin Mitnick, who uh, subsequently went to jail and now has a uh, cybersecurity consulting practice. But um, I, I actually hired uh, Shimamura to come in and hack Citicorp. So my <laughs> involvement with cybersecurity goes back, you know, almost 25 years at this point. Well, I, I don't go back that far, uh, but <laughs> uh, not, not that I'm, uh, you know, not, uh, you know, much younger than uh, than David. Not. But uh, you know, I, I was I was in blissful ignorance, you know, uh, while David was in uh, in, in knowledgeable pursuits. Uh, no, you know, essentially, you know, from from my perspective, it it, it just uh, became an obvious area that uh, boards. And uh, other clients were concerned about, it. and then when recent uh, episodes occurred, like uh, we all read about it, we've all read about Equifax and Uber, and, and the depth of problems that those particular uh, instances uh, created, you know, for the board, for disclosures, uh, concerns on the part of the SEC, you know, as to whether certain disclosures regarding hacking should be made uh, earlier. Uh, insider trading, all of those things uh, just led me to, uh, you know, to uh, this area, which, uh, you know, fraught with peril, essentially. Well, and the level of interest in the publication has been uh, extremely high. I think of all the ones that we've published right now through the DCRO, um, this one has got the most attention. And, and so that must be a suggestion that, that there's an issue that a lot of people recognize. Are there good metrics out there? Um, you know, so let's say a company is thinking this isn't that big a deal for them, or it's not going to affect them. Um, do you guys have any metrics that you've seen about the size and scale, or even the growth rate um, of cybersecurity issues and, and their impact? Well, everything that I've looked at, it's it's basically um, the growth has been exponential. Um, I, I, it's interesting. One of the most important things is probably the cyber spend, hmm. um, which has been growing at, you know, at double digit rates for the last um, 10 years. So I, I just see this getting um, bigger. Um, I also see 
life. I mean, and Roland knows more about this than I do, but, you know, at first it was credit cards, uh, just cut off the liability with credit cards. Then it was now medical records, and medical records are hard to control because you have the hospital, the doctor, the insurer, and the patient, um, and you're getting into ransom. Um, but eventually it'll be very widespread even even more. And, uh, you know, trade secrets, um, it, it just goes on and on. So I just think I just see this thing getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, I I, uh, I agree with all that, and and uh, you know, to me, um, if we're looking for metrics, uh, David, it, it's uh, you know, there, there's no given index that'll tell you, uh, yeah, there's a problem or not. I I think you begin with uh, an assessment, of, as we discuss in our principles, you know, as to whether there are. Uh, vulnerable and and um, uh, vulnerable assets that need to be protected. I suppose you could be a company that, that keeps very little in, in the way of uh, personal information, uh, sensitive information about customers. You know, it, it could happen, but it, it, most companies today are not in that uh, are not in that scenario and in that situation. Um, I, I I look at how often a board discusses cybersecurity. You know, as as an important measure of whether that company is perhaps doing enough. Uh, if it's something that gets talked to occasionally, once a year or once every other year, uh, I'd be worried about that company. Uh, it, this is a situation in which uh, management has to be actively involved, has to be actively uh, reporting to the uh, board, has to be keeping abreast of the problems. Because, um, uh, David mentioned uh, cyber risks and hacking abilities are increasing every day, and, and a company that may think they're very safe uh, may not be, uh, you know, as things have evolved and developed. And I think that's a good way for us to jump into these principles because we've got five key principles that we want to talk about or have you talk about. Um, and, and just getting back quickly to that notion of metrics uh, in reading about this, uh, it seemed as if they were dueling uh, efforts to make this number bigger. But, but the numbers that I saw in articles were in the trillions uh, in their impact. And then there's also the caveat that some companies don't have incentive to report accurate impact um, because that it potentially makes them look bad uh, if they're not being uh, transparent or if they're being transparent, I should say, about the impact of some of this, especially as it gains more attention. So let me jump into this first uh, guiding principle. You had talked, I think, uh, without using the expression, uh, though, when you started talking about customer data, and, and David, you had mentioned health records, um, you guys used this expression, crown jewels, in terms of something a board should be aware of. Can you talk a little bit more about that and then, and then go through this notion of how uh, directors should be viewing this as, as part of enterprise risk? Yeah, let me take a step back on this. Um, you know, when I look at errors, I think of things in terms of errors of commission and errors of omission. An error of commission, you looked at it, you went the wrong way. An error of omission, you didn't even look at it. I can live with errors of commission. I just can't live with errors of omission. So if you take that philosophical bent and apply it to cybersecurity, you know, at the end of the day, what is it that you're trying to protect? You know, and then are you developing appropriate strategies against that? Because it's not if you're going to get attacked, but when. And you can only guarantee a timely and appropriate action. So the way I think about it, uh, and Will and I talked about it with the committee, it's really um, 
what are the crown jewels? What are the most important things that, that you're trying to protect? How are you going to mitigate, you know, the risk? And, you know, what are your specific plans associated with each? And, David, is that being done uh, at risk committees, or where do you see that being done? Is that board as a whole conversation? <laughs> I, I, you know, first the question, the first question is, is it being done? Okay. You know, are people having these kinds of discussions, you know, um, and then, you know, um, at the board and then we're at the board. Um, I, I, I would say that it, my experience consulting with major firms on this, uh, people are getting boards are getting better at it, um, and, and the CTOs and CISOs are getting better at identifying what the crown jewels are. Um, but there's still somewhat of a disconnect. For example, um, how many people compare the specific assets that you're trying to protect the most important ones and then compare that to the budget that you're spending saying hey we're allocating this budget based on the most important assets that we're trying to protect so you know it's one thing to identify but then okay now that you've identified how are you approaching it in, in a rational way and Roel if, if you were a company that you know is looking at these issues where do you start I mean part of this first guiding principle is to develop specific plans associated with each approach Let's say they, they haven't even gotten started on this. They're just now recognizing it as a board issue. Um, where would you tell them to start? Well, you know, first you have to recognize that uh, cyber security is part of the overall enterprise risk matrix, right? So hopefully most companies have some approach to mitigating risk, right? Uh, you know, you're, you're aware that uh, what uh, weather disasters can occur. You're aware that... Um, you, you know, there might be an interruption of, of some type of essential services, uh, utilities, you might lose power, uh, therefore having backup. All of that hopefully is, is something that is in the, uh, you know, in the consciousness of uh, most management teams and, and companies. So from there you go to cybersecurity, I, I, I would think, you know, would be um, a logical place if, if you don't already have it. And I think what you need is you need to have the senior management team uh, very aware and, uh, and, and have a, uh, an approach uh, through their, you know, through their, uh, in, you know, their IT, uh, through their intellectual property. Uh, if they don't have a CISO, you know, they certainly have some sort of a risk officer. And, and, and you would ask for a set of, of approaches and, and plans to be uh, prepared. And, uh, you know, and then you would enter into this first principle. You know, what are the crown jewels? What are the assets that are vulnerable uh, that would cause huge disruptions and potentially create uh, huge liabilities for the company? Once, once you you have your arms around that, you know, with your you know with your people in the management team, uh, then you have to involve your board and and then set up a board process where the board. Uh, oversees what management is doing, uh, sets up accountability, uh, sets up a reporting situation. Uh, so we can get into a lot of details here, but but essentially, uh, you know, I, I think it it begins with senior management, and um, if senior management isn't doing it, then uh, one of the leaders of the board, the chair, uh, or another lead director, you know, needs to uh, engage management and begin the process. And, and to integrate cybersecurity and the approach uh, within the enterprise risk uh, function. 
Well, and I think that gives us a great um, uh, way to kind of cross this IT board or managerial board um, line in that uh, boards often are saying, well, if it's a strategic issue, it's ours, but if it's a technical issue, it belongs in IT or it belongs somewhere in the managerial space. But the second guiding principle that came out of uh, your work with the council uh, seems to suggest that we have to be viewing cybersecurity as both strategic and managerial. So can you talk a little bit about what that change of mindset is? Um, you know, it's, uh, there are five other uh, bullets that came along with us uh, along the, 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 the notion of this being strategic. Um, but what's the, what's the main gist there? How do, you, how do you get a board to see this as a strategic issue? Um, is it just through example of uh, brand damage, or, or, or what's the best way for them to, uh, to understand? You know, it's interesting when you say that. It, it goes back to my, uh, uh, I guess, early days at Citicorp. Um, and Walter Riston, the CEO, used to say there's nothing wrong with risk as long as it's managed. Um, now, that maybe have come a little bit further these days to there's nothing wrong with risk as long as you get paid for it. Um, but, in, but in a sense here, what we're really talking about is with cybersecurity, look, this is not just, this is not a technical issue. It's a managerial issue, and you need to manage it. And you need to have all the things that relate to good management, accountability, you know, attestation if you need it, you know, awareness and training, uh, some testing, and, you know, how do you deal with a crisis? Because you're going to have to deal with it at some point, so you might as well get ready for, for it beforehand. So I, I see this more in terms of leadership. Um, and, I, and I also, just as an aside, um, think that companies have to have, um, and I think, well, you, you coined this term, a cyber lens. You have to think, see things through a cyber lens. You have to understand that there's a balance between innovation and risk. You have to think about it from an HR perspective in terms of the people um, that you employ and the training that you give them. Because this is an issue that's gonna be with us for, for a long time and, and we need to manage it. I, I think uh, it, that, um, you know, the, the concept of, uh, of uh, strategy uh, exclusively being uh, on the side of the board and, and, and uh, managerial being on the side of the management team uh, is no longer so sharp. Uh, essentially, a, a board, just like a, you know, a board, for example, uh, oversees a lot of very technical managerial items. So ultimately, the board has to make sure that uh, proper financial statements are prepared that report accurately and with integrity you know, the results of the uh, company's performance, right, financially. Uh, here, uh, they have, a, this is the board now, they have a duty to investors. Uh, you know, if I do share duties to make sure that uh, valuable assets uh, on the part of the company are protected. Therefore, they're protecting the value, the overall value uh, capitalization of the company. So when they go uh, past that line and hold manager, management accountable, uh, that's entirely appropriate. You know, what is management doing to protect valuable assets or the most valuable assets? And cyber is a way uh, uh, that they're exposed. You know, it, 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 you think of it metaphorically as a, as a window that's open, right? What are we doing to close that window as much as possible and keep uh, Keep the blizzard out, uh, you know, just to extend that metaphor. Uh, so, so this this is very appropriate, and and I and boards um, are more and more having to uh, cross that line, 
cyber is just one of the latest areas, but uh, it'll happen again as other threats to uh, to the enterprise and to uh, assets uh, arise. Uh, so, so is it, this is exactly what we were trying to reach in this uh, second principle. Uh, yes, uh, delegate man management needs to bring in the technical expertise, including going outside and getting expertise when appropriate, but they need to be accountable to the board, they need to report, they need to attest at times, uh, and they need to worry, you know, you need to, you need to have a plan for, for a crisis, if, if, uh, uh, as we keep saying, when the cyber breach occurs, because it's, it's a matter of when. Uh, so I'll, I'll that point here. Yeah, and there's a, there's a common theme I see through the guiding principles that have been coming out. Now, all our guiding principles are built from the ground up with people's experiences and, and bringing their best practices together. So you know, we know that these aren't just things we're putting out there to say you should do this. This is from people who actually have to deal with this. I think the, the people you had involved in this council uh, are quite impressive. Um, but a common theme I see across these guiding principles that are coming out of the DCRO is this notion of boards attesting uh, or boards making statements that they are handling these things. And I'm, so I'm glad you mentioned that, uh, and I'm glad that's included here. As soon as you sign your name to something, uh, you know it's important, uh, and you know you want to have it be right. So I was glad to see that there. So another thing that we try to do with all these guiding principles is to make sure they're practical. Um, we don't want somebody to pick up these documents and say, well, that's nice, it's fluffy, it doesn't do much for me other than, than give me some talking points. We're really trying to get stuff that boards can put into action. Pick this up, start your work on, on this particular issue. And this third guiding principle starts to talk about that. Um, but I think the three lines of defense is something that risk people, um, most risk people are familiar with. But um, either of you, David, maybe do you want to expand on what you mean by having these three lines of defense around cybersecurity? Sure. So level one is generally um, risk identification and assessment usually goes with the business line itself and with the technology area. Level two is oversight. Um, construct, strategic oversight, constructive challenge, and you know integration into operational enterprise risk. And level three is usually the audit side, uh, which provides some sort of assurance. So with cybersecurity, you want to see three lines of defense. Now it gets very fuzzy, and this is relatively new because you can go to a lot of risk management uh, CROs uh, and departments, and um, where they you know, what their responsibilities are for cyber um, is fuzzy. So we thought it would be very important to sort of enumerate, you know, what they should be focusing on, which again is the, you know, oversight and constructive challenge and the integration with operational and, and enterprise risk. I mean, this brings another issue um, that people talk about, uh, like CISOs, Chief Information and Security Officers, where should they report? Now, I've seen surveys where um, maybe 65% report to the CTO, 20 to 25% report to the COO, 5 to 10% report to the CRO. And people say, well, I, I mean, if the CISO reports to the C CTO, um, that's a conflict, right? So how do you govern that? What are the issues surrounding that? Um, one might be to have a security information committee. Um, but the point here is that um, you want to manage it within three lines of defense and somehow or another uh, bring it together so that you can avoid conflicts and everybody's on the same page. It's interesting that we talk about um, intelligence-driven um, strategies. And I have to thank Kevin Brock, 
who was on the committee and who actually um, created the uh, FBI's counterintelligence unit after the 9-11 attacks. And he, you know, the perspective there is that he brought was, hey, look, you got to be proactive as opposed to reactive, okay? And you got to be out there anticipating or, or, and understanding what's coming at you so that you can get ahead of it. And um, we thought that was a very important point and we wanted to put it into the principles, and, and you see it here. And Kevin was at the FBI, right, David? Yes. Is that where he was doing yes. that work? And, and I think that's an example, again, of the kind of people you brought into this initiative. So there's, there's an incredible amount of uh, thoughtful uh, guidance here. So this last uh, 3B is along the lines of resiliency, I think, is, is uh, uh, what we're getting at. So you're, you're constantly adapting but you're, you're constantly gathering information, so it's not all reaction. Uh, some of it's anticipating mm -hmm. to the extent that you can. So, uh, Roel, Roel, you had talked about opening windows, or windows that were open, I should say. Uh, and I think this fourth guiding principle talks about uh, you know, where, where many and many of the windows are open within organizations, and that's working with third parties. They can both attenuate risks and exacerbate risks. So can you talk just a little bit here about um, why third-party vendor relationships uh, rose to the level of a, a full guiding principle and as opposed to just a bullet point somewhere? Yeah, we, we, we thought a lot about it. Uh, and, and really, the, the major reason is that um, so much of cybersecurity uh, today uh, is, is based on uh, outside contractors providing you know, the software, uh, providing uh, data you know, that may be purchased, that may be used. Uh, so you have all of these, uh, again, maybe I'm a guy for metaphors, but you have all of these pipes coming into the company, essentially, right? And, um, and, and it's, it's not whether, it's, it'd be, it's, it's almost a necessity because most companies are not large enough to be able to have uh, all of these capabilities in-house. So you, you have to bring in a McAfee, you have to bring in a particular consulting group or some other group uh, like one I just uh, spoke to recently, you know, is, is creating virtual, uh, you know, vir virtual desktops uh, for, the, for a company, right, just to add another layer of defense. And so all of these contact points end up being very critical and bring in uh, all other, you know, all, all these other exposure points. And, and so you multiply them, you know, if you're doing it uh, mathematically, you know, you're, you're just, you know, multiplying the combinations of, of the places where things can go wrong. So it becomes another management issue, right? So again, going back to our basic theme, uh, subcontractors have to show the, uh, uh, the responsible parties in, in management that, are, that um, manage the uh, subcontractors that they have their own programs. And that they are, they have their own systems uh, for preventing uh, hacking and, and, and preventing uh, breaches, and, um, and and so that that has to be done. And, and because so many, uh, just once again, so many uh, incidents have occurred through third parties, we felt that it, it uh, merited, you know, a, its own separate principle, uh, and and likely, you know, in the future. Um, you know, uh, if not half, uh, you know, a substantial portion of cyber breaches will will be through uh, third-party vendors. So anyway, I, I, uh, it, it's very important that this be managed, that this be elevated, that there be um, 
depending on the number and the importance, that there be very specific individuals within a company accountable. And the boards themselves need to be asking questions, again, about third-party vendors, which is why we uh, elevated it to a principle. Yeah, I think sometimes it's so easy for us to just take for granted what's going on within our organizations that we forget um, the vast majority of it is being provided to us by people outside of the organization, and that's that's just how uh, the Internet and our economies work. Um, so it's important, I think, that you did raise it to uh, that level of a guiding principle. So let's get to this last point here, which is on culture. Um, you know, we, we talk about risk culture, we talk about corporate culture, and sometimes it's a very squishy subject and, and we can't really put a handle on it. But you guys have tried to um, suggest to people how that culture is communicated. Um, do either or both of you want to uh, talk about this? Does it relate to the duty of care of boards, um, legal liability for directors? What's, what's the main uh, guidance around culture uh, as well as the motivation for it? So let, let me give you my perspective quickly. Um, I always believe that cultures don't change quickly, they migrate. And if you think about cybersecurity, that changes quickly. So you have a conflict, and a lot of times, you know, with cybersecurity, in terms of culture, we focus on the envir environment, we talk about the security of the networks, the servers, the applications, and basically, it becomes an end into itself, and we don't think about the data. So we need to change the culture to start thinking about, hey, what is it important that we're trying to protect? I mean, I was blown away um, I know Alliance Ireland uh, got uses to rate the sensitivity of data, and um, in a few months, it was a 68% increase in employee awareness and an 89% reduction of breaches. But the idea here is that what's important to protect, and how do we get the employees, you know, involved in this by you know by training them, by showing the importance of it, you know, by placing strict adherence on it. All of these things um, are important to changing the culture that changes slowly against the fast-paced changing cyber environment. That, those, those are great points, David. Uh, when, when I was an SEC commissioner, uh, I, I served immediately in the aftermath of the um, Enron uh, scandal, WorldCom, and, and, um, and, and those. And I, I, I joke around that you know in those days. Uh, Frauds were straightforward. People just invented numbers, you know, in terms of their financial statements. But you know, so so one of our missions became, you know, how do we change, you know, the the culture of integrity, you know, and and uh, why isn't it already there, right? So these were substantial questions and uh, puzzling questions, in particular, uh, particularly you know, involving large companies that you would think would be uh, would would be better at this. So we began, you know, and I think today it's, uh, you know, it's pretty well standard uh, lore for, for boards and others. And you know that, you know, integrity begins at the top, right? You know, fixing the tone at the top uh, is everything, right? If, if you have, uh, in my boards, you know, I make sure and I raise it if, if it isn't, that the CEO's picture, you know, with some statement saying, uh, we do everything honestly here, you know. Uh, if you're not sure, ask about it, you know. Anyway, these kinds of things need to be littered all over the workplace, you know, and the bulletin boards and others, reminding folks of uh, their duty uh, to be honest and, and support integrity. 
So cyber, you know, uh, is, is, is one of those things that needs to begin at the top. And, and the board and, and the senior management team are, are the top. And so you need the similar types of statements, you know, uh, to essentially ingrain into employees. And it's going to take a while, as David was saying, you know, in some cases, that um, keeping uh, the integrity of the, uh, of, of the workplace in terms of keeping it from being hacked, keeping it from being uh, uh, disclosed or, or, or thievery occurring, you know, in terms of important data, that that's every individual's responsibility. Uh, it's not okay to bring a thumb drive in, for example, and, and put it on to your uh, desktop. Uh, it's not okay, you know, not to have your security items uh, and protections on when you remotely access the network. So these are, they seem simple and, and straightforward, but uh, so many problems arise from that. And so again, it takes a concerted effort. It, you know, I believe in training, I know David does, uh, where you uh, remind employees, you make, uh, you make it mandatory that they take uh, some training, you know, in terms of things having to do with phishing, suspicious emails coming through. All of these items are actually uh, you know, responsible for a huge majority of uh, the successful cyber attacks. And employees just need to be reminded over and over, right? I mean, everyone has a family life, everyone has interests outside of work, everyone uh, isn't always totally focused. And this is why this culture has to be developed. And it's ultimately the, the, uh, the best shield is if people down to individual employees at all levels understand that it's their duty to protect the company in this way. And I, Let me just quickly go comment ahead, on that one yep. point, if, if I can. Um, when you talk about shield, you know, I think about like what's the best protective system out there? It's probably the uh, human body's immune system, and there's three functions: sound the alarm, solve the problem, and recover and remember. Right? You have these white blood cells that perform that. But when you think about culture and you think about employees, you know, they have to you know they're the first line of defense. They solve. They have to sound the alarm. You know, the problem needs to be solved, and then have, we have to recover and remember. So it just goes back to Roel's point about how important the tone at the top is and how important it is to get the, the, the employees involved in it. And I, and I think, David, just to, um, uh, to echo some of what you guys were saying earlier, uh, is that we have to understand no matter how good all of our systems are, they will eventually be compromised. There, there are just people always innovating ways to compromise the systems, and so the preparedness in terms of how you respond is also essential. And, and I think that was uh, uh, some of what you're trying to say there with how the body uh, remembers. Um, this is a big thing. Uh, this is a lot of work. Board board duties, the responsibilities of a board member um, are growing. Uh, and I think that there, if there ever were days that you could phone it in, those are certainly gone. Uh, and this is just one area in which there's greater responsibility under the, the definition of care uh, and the duty of care that board members have. So uh, you guys had a great group together on this. Uh, if you haven't downloaded this document yet, DCRO, it's dcro.org. Just click up on the menu that says Guiding Principles. Uh, all of this stuff is designed to help boards be better at taking risk, 
uh, and organizations better at taking risk, uh, which means uh, better at pursuing what their objectives are. And again, this is all people from the industry uh, contributing their experiences. And uh, I'm very appreciative, David and Roel, of the time that you and, and this uh, Governance Council put in. I know it's a big commitment, uh, and so I, I hope it's been valuable for you. And I'll thank you for being a part of today's conversation. Thank you, David and Roel. Thank you. Our pleasure. Thank you.